What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Packers. Your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com since 2008. Packer Report, the creation of some fellow by the name of Ray Nitschke, is part of the Scout.com network, which is some of the best NFL and college football coverage anywhere. Thanks for tuning in to this Locked On podcast. If you like what you're listening to, be sure to subscribe to Locked On Packers via iTunes or the Android podcast app. And be sure to check out Locked On NFL, Locked On Chiefs for an opponent viewpoint, Locked On Fantasy, and even Locked On Bucks for you NBA fans. Okay, enough of the opening introductions, and we go to first down, starting in a familiar place, the comeback of Jordy Nelson. It was a landmark day for Nelson, as for the first time since tearing his ACL at Pittsburgh last August, Nelson took part in some 11-on-11 work at practice on Monday. One noteworthy play there. Line up on the left sideline, Nelson took off up the field and made a leaping, one-handed catch-up for cornerback Robertson Daniel. Then later in practice, he made a sliding catch on the other sideline. That was about it as far as plays in 11-on-11, but Nelson did do a lot of work on the side as he continued on a path to presumably get him ready for the Week 1 game at Jacksonville. And in another comeback, Jeff Janis, of all people, took part in practice wearing a club cast on his hand. Probably not ideal for a wide receiver, but there he was. Janis started off doing some special teams work, and then, I'm not sure if he snuck into the huddle or not, but he won up on the left side like Nelson and took off up the field. Riders again running the scout team, threw him the ball, and, and Janis made a remarkable catch. He used his healthy hand and then his club cast and the shoulder pads to make the catch at the sideline. Really a great play, considering Janis probably still leads the team and drops this preseason. So, heck of a play there. Um, you know, I'm not sure if he can actually play offense with, with, with one hand. And I, I guess really, really the larger point here is can, can he play special teams? But good to see Janice back out there. And really, this wide, wide receiver stuff is really interesting. Green Bay's got a lot of talent at that position. But I'm not sure if they have a number three receiver. Do they have a whole bunch of number fours? Because really no one's taken, taken, taken control of that job. And you start with Devontae Adams, who... I assume it's probably going to be that first guy, but I mean, he's just had a, such a confounding training camp. And you remember the San Francisco game here in Friday night where he dropped the touchdown pass from Joe Callahan. Well, he probably made a tougher catch at practice on Monday. Again, part of the scout team, he he went deep up the middle against both Quinton Rollins and Demarius Randall. Um, Randall's playing safety on that play. And he made a leaping catch over both those guys on a wounded duck pass from Marquise Williams. A, a, a terrific catch, and you could just hear the ball hit his hand. Just incredibly strong hands, man hands, as the receivers called it. And when a guy makes catches like that, you wonder, how on earth does he drop some of these other ones? So, a mystifying player, but with an awful lot of talent. You know, the, 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 I think the other top challenger for that number three job would be Jared Aberderis, who kind of has run hot and cold, and... I think the hot and cold just comes from a guy with with limited strength, limited explosion, and limited upside. And you know when he when he's open, he catches the ball. You know he runs great routes. Rodgers loves him, but I mean there's some limitations there, and I'm not sure if he can be that guy. 
You know, also that mix would be Ty Montgomery coming back coming back from the ankle injury that cost him you know, both the final two thirds of last season and all the offseason stuff and the start of training camp. Well, he's just dropped far too many passes for the number of plays he's made. He's at this point he's he can't possibly be in that mix. And then there's then the rookies, Trevor Davis, the fifth round pick from Cal and Geronimo Allison, the undrafted rookie from Illinois. Um I'm not sure either of those guys are ever gonna make the team. You know, they they've had their ups and downs. Davis on special teams probably has the edge, but I don't I don't think any of those guys are gonna mix for number three. So long story short here, question is who is the Packers number three receiver? You know, I did the math at Packreport.com a month or so ago. You know, historically Green Bay has just had one number three. Where Adams the last couple years or you know, Jarrett Boykin during his time, they're almost exclusively the number three receiver. And I I'm wondering if they might go to more of a you know, a timeshare there based on on matchups or, or the, what they want to get done or hot hands or, or something like that, that maybe it might be, you know, a little, little of Aberderis, a little of Adams, and, you know, maybe maybe it'll sort itself out at some point, but it hasn't at this point. And, you know, if it hasn't sorted itself out through May and June, the shorts and helmets stuff or in the dog days of camp in July and August, it's, it's going to be hard, it's hard to believe that it's going to get itself sorted out on Thursday night in Kansas City. And I asked wide receivers coach Edgar Bennett that on Monday, and he said, Quote, when you have that many guys who are capable of helping, then they create opportunities of maybe getting different personnel in the field. So I think having more than just one number three receiver certainly helps the situation as well as injuries occur from time to time. On the second down, the cornerback depth chart. You know, while there's plenty of depth at wide receiver, the depth certainly is lacking at cornerback. You know, we've talked about this several times here in the podcast. Who's the fourth corner? Cornerbacks coach Joe Witt on Monday basically said that Sam Shields and Demarius Randall have separated themselves to the top two, which would make Quentin Rollins the number three. So who's number four? That to me is the big question. You know, as it is, the fourth corner might not see the field at all on defense. But when injury strikes, you know, and it will considering Shields has missed a full season's worth of games in his first six seasons, that number four corner suddenly becomes a de facto starter. I asked Foot about that on Monday. Does he feel good about the depth, or is the depth not developed? He said not much has changed as I asked him that same question about two weeks ago. I wish, Witt said, and that's what I told him today. I wish somebody would make it easy and say, hey, I'm the guy. Nobody has. And that's why we are where we are. We're looking for that fourth, fifth guy. So going to that final preseason game with Ladarius Gunter, the favorite for that number four role, I'd say Robertson, Daniel, and Josh Hawkins are leading the charge to be the fifth. Remember, Dimitri Goodson will start the season serving a four-game suspension. And, uh, you know, McIntyre Dorlin, an impressive undrafted rookie, is hurt again, so he's kind of out of that loop. So I asked Witt today, what do you need to see on Thursday out of those guys? And, you know, this is why us beat guys love Joe Witt. He's a passionate, straight-shooting coach who tells you what it's on his mind. No beating around the bush, no sugarcoating, just blunt from the heart talk. So here's what Witt said, quote, I just want to see them compete. I want to see them compete, understanding what we're doing, to show the ability to make plays, they showed the ability to play fast. This is a very important game. I may be in the minority. I believe in the preseason because it's the bottom half of your roster that makes a championship team, in my opinion. That's what we're trying to solidify. The year we won the Super Bowl, we had a number of guys. Was it 16 guys? Going injured reserve. It was the bottom half of that roster that helped us win the Super Bowl. We get in that Super Bowl, Sam Shields goes down, Charles Woodson goes down, and we're in there with Patrick Lee and Jarrett Bush, and we win the Super Bowl with Jarrett Bush getting an interception and people playing big. The bottom half of this roster has to show that they can play this week. I'm excited to see it. I really am. 
because you never know who's going to really shine from there. You know, it's just such a great quote. I mean, that goes way beyond cornerback. You know, I, I talked to Mike Turgerback about the defensive line on Monday and basically asked him the same question about the depth. And, you know, I, I got a, a, a decent answer from him. But, you know, it's the same thing. You know, at wide receiver, Edgar Bennett flat out wouldn't say that someone's got to go win the job. And same thing with running back where Brandon Brooks has a chance to be the number three. You know, there, there's a lot of... There's a, there's a lot of empty talk, but you know, Joe comes flat out and says it, basically speaking for the entire group and speaking to the entire roster. And there, there are jobs to be won. You know, there's been what four weeks of offseason practices, and this is what the fifth week of training camp. All that stuff can boil down to Thursday. If someone can just go make a play, whether it's a cornerback intercepting a pass or, or a running back breaking off a long run or a receiver making a great grab on third down, I mean, this is. This is the last, the last swing of the bat, so to speak, and a jobs can be won here, and, and you know a, a lot is a lot will be determined on Thursday night regarding guys who, you know, they might not play key roles now, but due to injuries, they're going to be forcing the key roles down the road. This segment of Locked On Packers is brought to you by PackerReport.com and Scout.com. Scout's fantasy site is host of the World Fantasy Championships, and our fantasy insiders have helped them. a lot of people make a lot of money. And if your company is interested in talking to men between the ages of 18 to 44, you really should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Packers is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want men 18 to 44, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are reasonable. Email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com to find out more. Okay, on the third down, that'd be the safeties, which other than outside linebacker, this might be the deepest and best position on the entire team. Morgan Burnett returned to practice on Monday after missing some time with a sore back. Safeties coach Darren Perry figures Burnett will be fine for the start of the regular season at Jacksonville on September 11th. If you look at Burnett and Clinton Dix, those guys have a chance to be one of the top tandems in the NFL and... If, you know, if you're looking for a breakout star, no, look no further than Clinton Dix. In two career regular seasons, he's got a modest three interceptions, but he ranks second among active safeties with three interceptions in the postseason. You know, he and Bernard are just so good together. You know, I remember back in the offseason talking to Darren Perry about, about those guys, and he said that, that Burnett and Clinton Dix are, are so in tune with each other that sometimes not even Perry knows what those guys are doing, but they make it work and, and Perry pointed to a sack up by Clinton Dix last year against Minnesota when they called off a, a blitz that was that was set for Casey Hayward. They, they they thought the Vikings had that figured out, so they called off Hayward's blitz, and Clinton Dix went and said, and he nailed Teddy Bridgewater. Um, uh, Perry was asked on Monday about Clinton Dix. He said, quote, Ha has been involved with football all his life. He's been at a high level from high school on up through college and so forth. And obviously with the number of snaps he's played in his early career here, you get exposed to a lot. You're not going to get everything the first time out. He certainly had his share of mistakes, but the arrow's pointing up. And the thing about Ha Ha, he's all business. When we're in the classroom in the meeting room, he's about as serious as you can get. And the awful of Morgan's lead... Morgan kind of sets the tone, and those other guys follow. Our classroom environment, I think, is really good. And being able to apply that on the field is another aspect that the good ones can do. They can take it from the board, apply it on the field, and obviously be able to do it in the games. Because you've got to be able to do it under high-pressure situations. He doesn't blink. He just goes out there and plays. He'll be the first to tell you he's not going to do a whole lot of thinking out there. This really isn't a game for a lot of thinking. It's about reacting and trusting and believing what you see. You look and you look beyond that starting tandem. 
you know, Micah Hyde is a terrific utility guy who, can, who basically takes up three spots in the roster because he's so versatile. You know, if Chris Banjo isn't lost for too long with that injured hamstring, he's he's got a history of playing well, along with being a special teams captain. Then, but again, we've talked about him all along here. But undrafted rookie Kentrell Bryce continues to impress on back-to-back plays against the scout team quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Bryce came up with pass deflections, one on a deep ball, and one as he flew for, flew forward toward the line of scrimmage for a breakup. On one of those, he did a little dancing celebration. I asked, asked him about that after practice. He goes, I have no idea what I was doing. But you know what? He'll have, another, he'll have another chance to dance here in a week or so when he makes the Packers' final roster. And finally, fourth down, where the Packers made some roster moves on Monday, releasing defensive tackle Demetrius Anderson, cornerback Randall Jett, Wide receiver Jamel Johnson, linebacker Derek Matthews, punter Peter Mortel, and wide receiver Ed Williams. That gets them down to 82 players. They have to be down to 75 by, I think, 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. Some of those will be injury-related moves, including putting center Corey Lindsley on the pup list. Then the rest of the heavy lifting has to be done on Saturday. Of course, the headline move there is the release of Peter Mortel, which means Tim Maste is the winner for now of the punting battle. But even Massey knows that nothing is set for now, as he said at his locker on Monday. I don't feel like I've won anything yet. I'm not here just to win a job. I'm not here just to survive cut day. I'm here to help the Packers win football games. That's what I'm interested in doing. That's what I'm focused on doing. So for me, it's what do we got? Two more practices, then one more preseason game. Try to perform well in those outings. Hopefully still show that I'm the man for the job next week. See if that's the case, and then try to win some football games. I guess it's pretty much a no-brainer move, though. I mean, during that last week of camp of the preseason, Maste clearly outpunted Mortel. I think Mortel's got a shot here. I mean, I've told, I've told you all along that he's got a leg. It's just a matter of finding that consistency. And, you know, it took Maste was, Green Bay was Maste's second chance to get into the league. And, you know, might be that chance, might be that way for Mortel as well. It might take him another shot or two with another team before he finally gets that, that right opportunity to make a club. You know, even Maste saw it himself. That he, that he thought that Mortel had a shot to make it and, and told him as much as told basically told him, hey, just just keep patient and keep working and and be ready for the next time the opportunity arrives. And with that, it looks like the Packers' main characters might be set on special teams. Obviously, with Mastay doing the punting, Mason Crosby the kicking, Rick Lovato the snapping, Micah Hyde punt returns, and Ty Montgomery is one of the two kickoff returners. I asked Mike McCarthy on Monday about just his thoughts about where the special teams are in light of Jaron Elliott is out with a hamstring injury. Chris Banjo's out with a hamstring injury. Jeff Janis coming back from the broken hand. And Dimitri Goodson coming back from a four-game suspension. I mean, those four guys there, Goodson, Janis, Banjo, and Elliott were their top four special teams guys last year as far as playing time and production goes. However, McCarthy likes where they're at. Um, he said that their coverage teams are getting close to where they need to be. And he thought the return game took a step against San Francisco. And he said that the, the blockers sustaining their blocks and the success of their second-level blocks. And as far as who's playing and who's not playing, McCarthy said, quote, I am confident that we'll be productive and play the way we want to play, regardless of who's out there. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Be sure to subscribe to Locked On Packers via iTunes or Android app. And to check out the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network. And, of course, go to PackerReport.com for more of my coverage of the Green Bay Packers, including a really good story about the roster battles looming at cornerback and defensive line. 
the return of Brett Hundley, and the decision at punter. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.